Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Before we turn our calendars to 2019 and start making jokes about writing 2018 on all of our checks that we no longer write because we live in a digital age, it's time once again for our annual tribute to the year's most valuable players in comedy. This is the fourth time that New York Times comedy critic Jason Zinneman has joined me for this annual debate. And Zinneman got me thinking about whether we should expand our honors to include not only the comedy MVP candidates, but also rookies of the year, comeback comedian of the year, and more. Do we talk about Hannah Gatsby? Of course we do. We also talk about Tiffany Haddish, Michelle Wolf, Hassan Minaj, Donald Glover, Kate McKinnon, John Mulaney, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Ellen DeGeneres, and more. So let's get to it. Hello, Jason Zinneman. Hello. Fellow colleague from the New York Times. That's right. We started? Yeah. Oh, we have. That's right. We started four years ago. <laughs> this is our fourth year. Wait, but Sean, we, you're one of the comedy MVPs. Is now you're a part of the you're, – you're a Timesman. Ah, uh, Timesman. I'm more of a gray lady. I remember, Sean, this is going to be like a Mark Maron episode. I, I remember when I, I'm going to go back in our history and, mm-hmm. and confront some dark truths oh. about our friendship. Uh-oh. I remember Does when it I, end with us being good? No, no. I remember. Yeah, so that's, we'll see. We'll see. I remember when I got the job as the uh-huh. comedy critic for the Times, uh-huh. and I'd ne- never met you before. No. And you wrote a story about this jerk getting a job at the New York Times. <laughs> You know, you've been you've been toiling away in the comedy journalism minds for years, and this asshole you've never seen before gets this job, and you write this thing, and I remember you put the picture, right? That's all that matters is the picture. Oh, right. No one cares about the words of these stories. Yeah. It's all about the picture. We were just talking about Michael J. before we turned on the mics, and he likes to talk about it. He knows the story based on the picture they use of him. Of course, that everyone, every smart artist, only cares about <laughs> the photo and doesn't give a shit if it's good or so bad. So what photo did I use? You you don't even remember, do you? No. The photo you use and it, I, there had to be some thought put behind this photo because it makes me look you picked the photo that makes me look like the maximum jackass the uh, which is you the photo Maybe of that's all, the only photos that were available back then. <laughs> no 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 this is it and keep on this is this is this is the new york times is, yes. is getting into the comedy yes. journalism business mm-hmm. right so and uh so, sweating good exactly so the photo is of me mm-hmm. In a suit. I've yeah. worn a suit like four times in my life, okay? St- standing next to mm-hmm. Arthur Sulzberger, the <laughs> publisher of the New York Times, who I had met. That old, that picture was the old time I ever met Arthur Sulzberger. Glad you wore a suit then. I, exactly, exactly. And it was like, it was like the gray-haired lady. It was like me and Arthur Sulzberger were going to the stand uh, to go... <laughs> And it was, it was in this goofy suit with Arzo's brother, and it was, it was, I took that as a, why you chose that picture, Sean? I don't even know. I appreciate <laughs> that, that you have me on the ropes because you did your homework. I don't even remember that. I like to start off with a fastball. about that piece. You don't. I don't remember. I'll have to go look it up. All right. Wow. Are we good? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> But you know nothing. Nothing beats uh, getting to hang out with Ellen DeGeneres at her her farm, her beach house. 
I'll tell you, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah. It's hard to come back. Hard hard, hard to be in the Ellen's as world. We, as we start to talk about the year in comedy of 2018, you know, Jason, you just did write this huge uh, buzz. It's... Uh, your piece is getting a lot of buzz yeah, already. True. I turned yeah. down appearing on both Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood today. Wow. <laughs> but how, how much time did you spend with Ellen? Uh, I spent a lot of time. I spent two days, basically. I spent I saw her show, mm-hmm. and I spent time with her after the show, and then I went to her beach house, um, which is insane, uh, and we'll stare at dolphins jumping out of the water what? next to George Lucas's house, uh, and fed by her private chef. Uh, yeah, it's a nice place. Um, and... Uh, the uh yeah it was too it was actually that's what really made it is that it was like i got to spend enough time that it sort of i think it put her at ease at some point but, but you didn't get to sleep over at the beach house oh man i would have loved to i would have loved to but no i did not i did not get to sleep over um it's not like an almost famous like two days ride along <laughs> it's more like you made time it's true it's true it would be, the uh but uh but no that was that's actually uh uh, that special was I, I, originally uh, the piece which everyone should read. Yes, uh, I was very happy with. But originally, I think it was it was more of a piece about the special, right? Which, which is, you said you was surprising. Yeah, I, yeah. I read that to mean that you liked it a lot. I did. I did too. Did you? So you've seen it? Yes. So what do you think? Tell me. I was. I'm putting together my top ten, yeah. which I do now for a competing website. <laughs> And um, I've been doing that for the last few years. I avoided top ten lists before that. But I have decided to make room for her on my top ten list. Wow. Wow. High or low? Uh, in the five to ten. It's an, uh, it's Not a, in the top five, but like, in the top ten. Do you agree with me that it's surprising? Yeah. Because I actually had to... Pre- I, I was oh, not sorry. prepared for her to go back in time. Yes. But also, I feel... I, I Although... And this is this is why I'm bringing it up. I feel like because of the year we've had, I think she, I think it was a shrewd decision on her part to remind people of where she's come from. But I'm not sure I know what you mean because I thought I thought it was unlike anything she's ever done before. I, I thought it was a completely different comedic persona in the sense that it was way more personal. She's yeah. talking about her dad. She's talking about Christian Science. She never yeah. done anybody this before. No, she's talking she's, about Christian she's, Science. She's, she's about, playing. She's, she's doing talking about her homosexuality and how. No, she's talked about that before, but, but not it, not in this way. I mean, the biggest things to me that was like was this like her like she has one bit where she talks about like a, a woman, a stranger wanting to talk to her, and she's like. Talking about how she's she's talking about her kid or something, and she sort of acts like how she makes a face as of like how annoying it is that a stranger would want to talk to her. And then like the next bit she does is about how um, you know someone wants her to hold her kid, and she goes, "I don't want to hold your kid." Or something like that. And she, she's like, "This is cashmere." Like she's playing like Anna Wintour. This is Ellen, who's like the most relatable. That to me is yes. is the yeah, most directly in contrast with her persona, which I think is really. You know, I mean, it's, it's the word as much, but for who she is, it was kind of bold. How much of that do you think is because one Tig co-directed and Nothing. consulted? Nothing. How much? I know it, that. How much of it is? Oh, how much of it is in response to Hannah Gatsby special? Nothing. Neither. No. Both. Both. Nothing. Yeah. I think it's. I think that it was. Uh, um, she, because it's not, it's not like Hannah Gatsby special at all, mm-hmm. and I think that I think she really was just going for what was the funniest thing. And what's interesting is that 
she could do something that basically no other comedian could. Like those jokes, making fun of of her being so you know down to earth, right. really, are could only work for her. Like and no other comedian could work for it. So if she's trying to come up with what's really funny, doing this long ten minute bit about being relatable, which is uh, she talks about like her butler and all this stuff, Damn. which is like obviously there's a very small number of comedians who could pull that off. And so I thought she was very sav- very savvy in saying like, okay, what can I do that nobody else can do? She can't tell the story that Hannah Gatsby tells, but she can tell the, her story, which at right. this point is this very unique thing, being the 15th highest paid celebrity in the world. I guess, I guess it's more a thought of how much her decision to be as bold as she was reflects the year we've had yeah. in comedy. Meaning the, like, the, uh, the, that's what you mean by Hannah Gatsby, like the more like kind of confrontational. Right, when you see all these people doing bending the art form and you see this flood of comedy so right. you know you can't talk about the same things everybody else is talking about when there's 75 other specials in the year and that's just the videos not to mention the albums well we, we should talk about that my, I, my, my take on ellen is that she through the 80s and 90s was like a observational comic about mundane stuff like yeah, uh, Seinfeld. Like, yeah. And she's still that, only her day-to-day life is of being an outrageously rich, privileged like, you know, woman who lives in this It's in this a special life. Seinfeld never would have done. Yeah, that's very true. But, but, it's, but it would have been fascinating if he does. He would be so fucking smart if he would. Like, if I was Jerry Seinfeld now, <laughs> he would never do this, right? And this is my problem with Jerry Seinfeld. It's like, he says, all I want to do is be funny. You want to be funny? Then, then do what Ellen did. You would be like, there's a there's a ceiling to how funny Jerry Seinfeld can be doing more jokes about mm. cereal and about his kids' pinata or whatever. This is, I mean, it's great if he keeps doing it. That's fine. But man, if he really took aim at the Jerry Seinfeld persona, which is such a big, you know, thing, he would be devastating. You know, um, and that's what, so. I thought in that on that front, like Ellen is doing something really bold. Well, that's why uh, there's so few uh, white men on my list of potential MVPs. Oh, uh, it's because you're so woke, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, do, well, which white men do you have on your list? It's true. This is not do you a... you have any? Uh, yeah, I have... Well, I don't have a... I, I have some white men to talk about, but you're right. The, the, this is not a good year for white men. Uh, n- <laughs> this is not... And, and I think... And, uh, after, an, after an uninterrupted string of thousands of years, white men have hit a snag. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting to talk about this in a... Uh, I did have John C. Riley on my list. Why? He's, got, he's a lead in four movies this year. Okay, you're much more prepared than I am when, in, the, in the movie department. <laughs> that's, but that's every year in the MVP. That's true. <laughs> zing. That's true. Zing. zing. Ouch. Um, but, you know, obviously we've mentioned Hannah Gatsby's name a couple times. In December of 2017, how many people knew who she was? None. And how many people know who she is now? No, that's, Especially, not, that's not true. I, I, should, I should backtrack because I, I'll get angry letters about this. From the, Australia, from the Australia from the, from the loved her. People in, in Scotland loved her. Okay, I'm sorry. I apologize. Wait, they don't speak the Queen's English. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many people in America knew her? None. And how many people in America, especially in comedy, know who she is now? Oh, man, everyone. everyone. I mean, I don't, I, to me, this whole conversation, like, the, the problem, obviously, in my mind, she's the MVP of this year. But she's now reached this point which is a real is sign. Is she the of, MVP? 
in my mind, she clearly is. But she's reached she's reached this point. In, well, I guess I guess we have to. Um, let me finish my sentence. Yes. She's reached this point where everyone hates her now, which is what the the, re, the real sign of success. Ah. It's the real sign of success when, like, when everyone, like, you know, has a bad uh, word Hannah to say Gatsby. about it. Hannah Gatsby. Oh, jeez. But let's, if you really want to know, like, in my mind, all right, who made the biggest impact this year? What do we right. remember? It's not even close. It's right, not when we even talk about close. The MVP is not who's the funniest person of the year. It's not. Um, yeah, it's not the funniest person of the year. It's it's who had the biggest impact. Who are people arguing about? There's no, there's no, there's no one even. There's not a close second. I mean, people might not like her. People might think she's a one-woman show, mm-hmm. but they're all talking about her now. I don't think she's. The, here's the dirty secret: is that there is, I, I believe, although I don't know, a vast disparity between the amount of people talking about her and the amount of people watching it. Mm. Like I asked the Netflix, you know, one, the piece I wrote a piece on the people mm-hmm. wrote Netflix, and I said, I bet you that the numbers for Hannah Batsby, the raw numbers would shock a lot of people in how small they are. Right, because it's one of those things where once you become part of the zeitgeist, people will have debates about you or a thing without knowing what they're talking about. They just want to be part of the conversation. Well, yeah, but I think it's one of the things that's great about comedy right now is, is that in film and in TV, there's a pretty close correlation between popularity and what people are talking about. And that's not good because the things that are popular are not necessarily the most interesting or best things. Where in comedy, in part because Netflix doesn't tell you what the numbers are, um, there really isn't any correlation. That the, There's probably like Adam Sandler movies that are like the most popular things on Netflix that no one talks about. Now, Adam Sandler's special is a different story. Yes. But, but, this is in my top five. But, but, but to me, uh, I can't, and no one can say this is not the year of Hannah Gatsby. Yeah, that's my opinion. That's, that's, now, what, what, what she... What would Tiffany Haddish say about that? <laughs> you, you, you made the case. You think <laughs> she Tiffany has Gats- her own seasoning salt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in the world of seasoning... <laughs> seasoning? When are we going to have these seasoning MVPs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, they both. Well, they were both given awards at Just for Laughs okay. this year. Hannah Gadsby and Tiffany Haddish. Right. One was like the breakout, and one was like the comedy performer of the year. Okay. Um, was, that, was Tiffany Haddish this year? Was it, when did when, well, what was Girls, Girls Trip? Girls Trip was last year. Okay. So this year uh, she was in. Uh, Uncle Drew, The Oath, Nobody's Fool, and Night School, and also in the TV show The Last OG. How could she possibly, on the basis of, the, of that, be in anybody's top ten? <laughs> Last year, okay. This year was not a good year. This year, none of those movies were that good. And Girls Trip... She was definitely all over the place, though. She was definitely making money. Great. Good for her. There's she a lot was, of people making money. Cardi B, she was making money moves. All right. But this is the – what? Am I in the right podcast, Ron? This is the comedy MVP. It's not who's making right. the money. I mean, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco, was, I'm sure, made more money than she did. Uh, but yes. the, uh, I don't think Tiffany Haddish is in the conversation. I think the uh, – the, I, I think there's a number of people – I was looking at the list. There's yes. a number of people who have c- comebacks, right, comebacks. who are all – Significant in, in this okay. period. So you have Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. who hadn't done, who I thought gave had a great special and surprised a lot of people, including myself, and actually making a really good Netflix product. Uh, you had Christopher. That's a surprise. Is our ex, were our expectations low? Is this, is this a shocker? Did you? I mean, Adam Sandler. I mean, yeah, there are some people, but Adam Sandler produces has produced a lot of movies that critics generally hate. Right. True. True. I yeah. mean, in my review, I pointed out the. Uh, 
the absurdity that he followed through on the prophecy of funny people. Yeah. Where Judd Apatow had him pl- in all these horrible movies. And then he went ahead and made them. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that no one, the expectations for Adam mm-hmm. Sandler were very low. And then he produced what is, I thought, you know, a, a very good uh, uh, okay, so comedy is? special. So, so him, Chris Rock, came back over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Alan. And I would even put uh, David Tell in this category uh, for bumping mics. Well, I have bumping mics at or near the top of my list. Wow. All right. Yeah. But I don't know that that's enough to make him the MVP. Maybe maybe funniest. If, if, would we were, you? if we were making MVP based on the funniest comedian of the year. You would put Bumping Mics as the funniest of the year. Despite Jeff Ross. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. That's harsh. I, well, I, but as far as a comeback vehicle. Is that actually, really, do, you, do you think David really Tell is head and shoulders above Jeff Ross? Yes. Yes. I think David Tell is head and shoulders above most comedians. It, really? Living or dead. See, that's a very – that shows what a comedy insider you are. <laughs> that, I can get outside the beltway? Well, no, no. I'm not criticizing you. I'm just saying the fact outside that – Outside the Borscht Belt? That I think people who are not in the comedy world don't understand how respected Dave Attell is. Right. He's, he's truly – A comics comic. There you go. Yeah. But I think it's – but the, at the same time, he hasn't – when's the last special he did before Bumming Mike's – Road, he did a road work thing for Comedy Central. That was a few years ago, though. That was a few years yeah. ago. And, then he, and, and so it, his, his reputation within the comedy world is, I think, at odds with his, what people in the public think. Um, and so and while Jeff Ross, on the other hand, mm-hmm. is always doing something interesting. Right. I actually think Jeff – if I – before I uh, saw Jeff Ross live – a bunch of times, I was like, I you know thought he was a, you know whatever fine. He was mm-hmm. like kind of a you know he was a roast master. But I've seen him destroy live, and he's incredibly quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's impressive uh, in uh, like in in a club in a small club setting. He's like a nimble uh, comic who has real you know well written jokes. He's more he's, he's impressive. I mean, I, to me, I don't think I, I don't think Bob and I'm Mike just is, I'm just joking about him because I think. It's clear that he's second fiddle to Dave. Is it? In that, yeah. I know that's the um, comedy common wisdom. I might argue. I might argue they're. they're, they're uh, well, that's why I have you on the program. Yeah, I know. Right. 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 Um, I interestingly, uh, I have Donald Glover on my list because not just the second season of Atlanta, but primarily for the music video "This Is America," which I think is one of the. Was biting satires of the year. Oh, that's an interesting choice. That's an interesting choice. As far as a comedy MVP goes, I never even thought of that. As, a, as a, but it's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, I you're always I'm I'm very rigid. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at stand up and but okay. yeah, Donald Glover. I think that is that that's true. But I don't think there's nothing. Uh, there's, like the, the idea that that's that's like a comedy is mm-hmm. is a fine line. Um, even if it's like you know he, how much it's music is a fine line. It's like this interesting kind of performance piece, right. like visual performance. Right, because he's up for major Grammys again. Right, 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 right. But um, I think it's the but I think the music video is is even more valuable than the than the song itself. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I take it you would probably agree with me more about Michelle Wolf, even though her success 
had a bit of a roller coaster impact this year? I mean, this is I was I, I didn't realize this until right before you showed up, but I was just thinking how this year's gone on forever. That this is like Michelle yeah. Wolf is, is an MVP and a whatever the WVP, the worst valuable player. I mean, she had the heights of success with the White House Correspondents Center. That that happened this yeah. year. Um, yeah. that, that was not like girl. That happened this year, and then she had this show which flamed out. Yeah, on Netflix. In the in the, the, break. Sa- in yeah. the same year, so she started flying in the same high. Season. Same season. <laughs> I mean, it really was a. I, but I mean, I think we. It was a devastating fall yeah. as well. I mean, I, I don't think it was primarily her fault. I think Netflix was a bad platform for topical political humor. Right. But still, it's like to have. She was on like she had a special that people liked, although I was wasn't as high as a lot of other right. were. But and know. her HBO special came out in December. She's so. she, and she's an incredibly gifted stand-up. And then she had this, you know, she, it was it seemed perfect for her. She had that. She had the White House course line right before the talk show. Right. It looked like she was head to the stars. And then now she's back. I mean, I don't I don't think she's back to square one, but she certainly has to reinvent herself now. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Do you do, right. what, what's your mind? So I, I would say she she could if, she, if that's if that talk show took off. Yeah, she could be in the running for this. I mean, well, I guess I mean the your point about having to reinvent yourself. I mean, she's still so early in the game. Do you, would do you have to reinvent yourself? Well, just to say, or is that, it just like a setback that people have in a career? Um, well, it's a good question. I mean, in the past, having a talk show fail. <laughs> isn't a deal breaker? Isn't a, isn't a death knell? Right. But it hurts your career. Right, but that was back in the days when Pat Sajak or Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah, true. But when there, when there weren't that many talk shows to go around, so if you flamed out on a talk show, it was. Well, what, what now? If, there's so much out there. What can Michelle? It could it could just be that there's such a glut of product that how do you watch something? I mean, Patriot Act, Hassan Minaj's show. It's pretty great, but I don't know if, if people are t- watching it. People are talking about it. The, the, the question there's a broader question of sort of like how do you break out this yeah. clutter landscape? And one way is a talk show. I, if Michelle Wolf continues to do another special after special after special, that is, you know, will that help her break out? Maybe, maybe. Uh, um, she certainly has a larger platform than she did last year. But yeah, I would say that there is an expectation now that you've got to do something a little different. You can't to to take a, a step forward, uh, particularly when you're at the, you know sort of an early stage. Because there's other right. comics we'll talk about them that are nipping at our heels, and the other people who want to fill that space. And um, Hasan is a good example. I, I don't know how many people are watching the show, but I'll tell you something. I was expecting to not pay much attention to that show. It's not like another John Oliver political 30-minute mm-hmm. TED but Talk. he likes basketball. You like basketball. That's true. I like basketball. <laughs> I, 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 I can't... Deep cut. <laughs> I, you clearly do read my Twitter. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know what to say. All I can say is I, I will put on the... Th- I wa- start watching, expecting to turn it off in five minutes, and I wa- I've watched every episode. Yeah. I've watched every single episode. And some but, of them, the one I don't know if I've watched Supreme... I learned like it's some interesting stuff. I think I think it. I think this is who Hassan is, and I think he's not. He's not really a stand-up. He's more of a f- performer with some distinct points of view. Well, whatever he is, it's. I'm just saying. But I then find, again, what is stand-up anymore? Yeah, I, I find it. Is compel- it just a man in a dark room with no audience? 
Well, that's another question, which is like the Drew Michael you want to get to. Like, I think it's stupid to talk about what is or is not stand up. You just talked, like, you know, I think it's worth talking about what Donald Glover is doing comedy. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that Hassan Minaj is doing a talk show. Yeah. The only thing that matters is, is it compelling or is it not? Did you laugh or did you not? Is it worth your time? And it was worth my time, and I wasn't expecting it to to be. Um, do I think it's like a you know going to be the greatest show in the world? I don't know yet, but I'm following it, yeah. which is more than I can say about a lot of shows on Netflix where I like start and I'm like, eh. I mean, look, in the history of talk shows, most take a long time to find their footing. I don't think he's like where he's he needs to be to have like a but he has a I think it's a really strong start. He has a very distinct point of view. He I, I would argue I don't you say he's not a stand up. I think there's enough laughs in those half hours to sustain it considering how smart they are and I think what he's been really clever about you know there's been a lot of stuff where he's coming at it from a South Asian point of view which is Mm -hmm. true and also but I think more importantly what he's doing which is different is that he's it's it's a little bit topical but it's also like he's choosing topics that aren't so tethered to the news that if you watch them a week later it matters like his thing on Supreme you can watch it later yeah it's or just it, Find it on your own on Netflix. And- his choice of topics has been incredibly smart, and it's very difficult to do that in this landscape. Yeah. Um, speaking of Netflix fatigue, yeah, you were talking about talk shows, but how often do you get stand-up fatigue with all the specials we've we've watched in the last two, three years? How often do you get? I've been yammering. What about you, Phil? What do you do? You get stand-up fatigue? Yeah, I have to carve out time to Is that right? be like, okay, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna watch this stuff. <laughs> but there's still but there's still plenty of stuff I haven't seen. There's stuff on um there's stuff on Hulu and Amazon apparently that Yeah, now Amazon, it's true. Yeah. It's like it's tough to keep up. I certainly don't keep up with the records, with the audio. It's more like it's because more there's like so much video that comes out every week. It's more like T V now. T V critics. Where it's like it's you do have to make time. You do. I'm the same way. You have to be like, all right, I'm like ten hours behind, and you just stop and watch all these things, um, and, or listen to. I'm listening to more podcasts than ever. Where that's for, that's for sure. Um, I don't know where to put in the time to add podcasts other than the ones I'm recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is why I keep try to keep mine short. Oh, um, sorry. We'll keep moving then. The, uh, so yeah. So who do you have on your list? Other people, I would say. Um, Oh, sorry. We t- I talked about people who are the nipping, nipping. coming back. Yeah. Then there's people. I think I would say you know. Uh, then I think that all right. I would say John Mulaney. Um, if in terms of like all right, who's done? Who's made a jump in terms of making great comedy mm-hmm. specials? Mulaney. Let's keep in mind talking about reinventing yourself. He had come off of a sitcom disaster. Yeah. He was like a respected, steadily rising guy. He had this Mulaney, which was supposed to be the next Seinfeld. Yeah. It crashed and fell, and then it was all this. Then he did Oh Hello. And now he's at the special, which in my mind at Radio City is a step up yeah. and expands his uh, range and puts him in at the next echelon. Oh, hello. was last year, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but, I'm, but I'm not saying oh, hello is what I'm saying. Right. Like, he, has re- he has reinvented himself. He's rebuilt his, his – to a point now where, like, oh, he, he's sort of, you know, in the upper echelon. Um, where he wasn't last year. Do you know, do you think, you know, I wrote a piece about um, Lauren Michaels this fall and how I think he should go. Oh, wow. <laughs> from SNL. Um, 
taking on the big the big uh, yeah. the big dogs. Well, but but in it, I mentioned John Mulaney is like one of the missteps was having him do that sitcom instead of vaulting him to Weekend Update. Yes. And I wonder, like, in a parallel universe... I remember I read this. Uh-huh. In a parallel universe, what would have happened? Because if Mulaney had done Weekend Update instead of the sitcom, he would have been kind of tied to that. Yeah. And maybe the the misstep with his sitcom allowed him to do all this other stuff. Oh, I completely agree. So... You know, one thing people... And, we don't... And, and, in a weird way, making the next Seinfeld, he didn't get the same benefit that Seinfeld got. Whereas Seinfeld had a weak first season. That's true. And got to reboot. Yes. He didn't get that opportunity because people are so quick now. Yes. Yes. No, no. You need to fail. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you need, that's a, a, a tremendously important to have people like properties to fail and learn. And I think that, yeah, being, I don't, being on Weekend Update, I think would be a dead end for him. Um, and I think, uh, but it's something a lot of people, myself included, were kind of almost campaigning him for. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah, that's well, what he should be. Obviously, <clears throat> I mean, now it's like, oh, maybe it's a good he didn't. <laughs> I mean, I think it's so boring to say this, but it's just like I, I can't even get exercised about SNL. I can't. I just don't. I just don't pay attention very closely to it, like I do stand up. I just don't find it that. I watch it out of obligation. Yeah, right. I think a lot, so many people do, and it's just like. But I haven't. I, that's why I wrote the piece about Lauren. I think it's just, and I give no credit to the president. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just kind of lost its mojo. Well, it's also fail failing at what it used to do well, which was like create stars yeah. and giving young people. You know, now it's well, whatever. Although, although I did. Find a, find room to make mention for Kate McKinnon once more, only because I I was going back today and looking at her range. She added a Rudy Giuliani this year, yeah, to her Jeff Sessions, Kellyanne Conway, Julian Assange, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Laura Ingraham. Like she somehow manages to play every no, she's incredible. Everybody not named Trump in that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's incredible. No question. No question about it. No, I mean the uh, they they they've they do as they always have uh, had like great talent on that show, mm-hmm. but it, which makes it all the more frustrating that they outsource so much to Alec Baldwin and uh, yeah. like Robert De Niro and Matt Damon, who like yeah. some people love, but I just think is I'd rather see them uh, right develop the cast. Yeah, exactly. It seems like the, it seems crazy to me. But the uh, anyways the uh, I well, the. Um, well, you, 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 your turn. Who else do you would you or is there your list? Hmm. I had Hari Kondabolu on here. I have him written down here too. Yeah. Uh, you know, for his Netflix special, but also for the 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 lingering impact of his problem with Apu. Was that he? Was that this year? It came out at the end of 2017, but but it's remained a big storyline all year in 2018. Yeah. yeah. As People have been going. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I have him down for the. the I have him down for the opposite reason, which is that I think if in some ways that was like his most high profile thing, but it Mm -hmm. also um, pigeonholed him Mm -hmm. as this guy who's like criticizing comics. Where I thought his special made the argument that this is a a really funny guy who's not just about his politics or about that he's. Capable, you know, he can do act outs, he can do stories, he can do tightly written jokes. He's a, he, you know, he's first of all, he's been doing this for a number of years. He's gotten yeah. better with every special. He's a guy who, um, so I don't think he. He's, Would you say he's the funniest woke comedian? 
Oof, that, I don't know. That's that maybe. Maybe I, I don't like using the word woke, except ironically. But but uh, but funniest uh, progressive comedian. He's he'd be definitely up there as, for in terms of comedians with yeah. a message, but are also very funny about it and not just preachy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I think maybe. I mean, I mean it's if you're just saying funniest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think highly of him. But I think like the, the you know then there's um, let's see other people who yeah. are like in the kind of I generally as you know, I think that like the funniest ones tend to be people who are like, haven't made it big yet, but have been doing it for a little while. Mm. And like, I think I was like Joe list had a great Uh, special this year where I was like, okay, that guy's really, really funny. Like he's, uh, he cracks me up. Some Um, people really benefited from Netflix's shorter time frame. I think that's true. Everyone I'm talking about is like that Tim Dillon. Mm. I I didn't, I might have known about him, but he wasn't really getting on my radar. I didn't see him enough times live until this year. And he is a he can be like a dominating stand up in a in a in small room. Yeah. Um and an exciting person to watch. Like a, uh someone who like you don't know what he's gonna do. No, he's got a huge personality to go with his comedy. Yeah. yeah. He's uh and dynamic. Uh, dynamic and the same uh Kat Cohen, have you seen her? Yeah. She's another person who's like I. She's going to be a, like if they can find the right vehicle, she's going to be a star. She's a pretty cat. Cat is part of this. I don't know if this is making me old. I guess it, it is, is. It is because there's this whole circle yeah. of people, and I, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm old. I'm not sure if it's because it's part of this alt scene, but they're definitely rising fast. There's a lot of really good. You know, as they always have been, but like, but now, uh, you know, Brooklyn. It's funny. We sort of stopped using the term alt comedy, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But now we don't have a, the language to describe Were you the, these spell people. Brooklyn comedy, maybe. But but there are people who definitely have no interest in getting to the comedy cellar, right? right. Or like they're completely outside that that circle. And there's a lot of people who are really talented. But I think of that group, and I've like you know. I, I like keep a close eye on all these people, mm-hmm. and I'm lucky enough to live like a blocks away from where a lot of them before all yeah. the time. The uh, that um, Kat Cohen just seems like she's got a head start on a lot of them. In the and she's something different in that because of her musical talent. Yeah, she can sing. She can tell jokes. She she has the, a, the whole triple threat. She's got a very defined persona. Um, she is she she has a, a, a someone who helps write songs I believe mm-hmm. um, so she's pretty prolific and she's a damn good sketch performer like if, if you see like her Instagram sketch like you know little short sketches mm-hmm. uh, she does character work um, she's like you know this is one thing that people don't talk about but like, but like she I don't I've never talked to her I don't know but she seems to me someone who's really ambitious like she's someone who works is doing all these different things like uh, constantly producing new stuff. She's doing podcasts. And often the difference between people who make it really big mm-hmm. and people who don't have to do with ambition. How much they, wa- how much they really, really want it. Which is a weird thing. People think it's like this talent. It's like it's not. Some of these people, you know yeah. this because we, we both see this. We see people who make it and don't. A lot of times you're like, oh, this person really, really wants it. I like how you're turning our comedy MVPs of 2018 into here's who to keep an eye on for comedy MVPs of 2019. <laughs> well, that's always more interesting. You, you pivoted. You pivoted my podcast. It's because this this is the little, this is the least interesting year because it's just wow. so obviously Hannah Gatsby. Yeah. It's it, it's and, and, it, and it was the 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 race was tied up early in the year in my mind. Do you to put a convince me? Do tell me I'm wrong to, though. I'm no, happy to, to be convinced. To put a bow on it though. So. What is there a lesson to be learned from what happened in comedy this year? 
Yeah, there's a lot of them, I think. I think it's a big year, a, a huge fundamental change. I think Hannah Gatsby represents a big change. One person we can talk to is Drew Michael, another mm. person who a lot of comedians shit on. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I love his stand-up. His special was an odd choice. But he's an odd duck. So. I, li- I like his special. But I, sp- I, but I love his stand-up. So I've I spent like, a lot of time defending that special. Yeah. From, uh, no one agrees with me. But, uh, <laughs> but I think what he and Hannah Gatsby show is that in the current climate, which is there is a glut of content out there, yeah. you've got to stand out. You've got to, you can't just come on stage and tell your you know, best you know, 50 jokes yeah. and expect to break there, out. No, there were some... There were some- uh, headlining star comics who put out specials this year or last, but they're just talking about the same stuff everybody else is talking yep. about. And the only difference is they're more famous. Yes. Already. Now, some people think this is a bad thing that the people are going to this force you to be gimmick. A lot of people think Drew Michael's special is, is gimmicky. Or, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I actually, and sometimes they're right. It is some of the stuff is gimmicky, like the how all, so many specials have some opening bit now right. that doesn't always necessary but I actually think it's great because I think it forces these performers to experiment more and which expands the art form and you know maybe they'll risk being pretentious sometimes yeah. but that's a I'd rather see artists risking being pretentious than being modest in their ambition well I you know I, I spoke to Drew about his special and you know I'd seen Drew perform in small clubs and rooms before he's the kind of guy who he needed something he needed to present his his comedy in a different way. Mm. It, he would, if he presented it in a traditional way, you would, you might just tune out or go like, what is this? You might have a kind of the, the visceral reaction that some people have to Hannah Gatsby. I don't, I don't where know. she presents it in a typical theater, theatrical setting. And people are going, oh, I don't know. But, but he does well in rooms. Stand up tragedy. He does well in rooms. Like, no, he does. I mean, the thing that the thing that is, I think I mean, is the thing that's unfortunate is that people saw that material. special and they think he's not funny and those mm. jokes don't work. The truth is, there's just no audience. Yeah. And people, if I think it would have been fascinating if I if, if I was him, if I, if he could do it over again, mm. he should have released a few minutes, if not a whole other special, of him doing the same jokes in front of an audience, ah. because it some it just shows it's you like a B side. Well, it just shows you how much our idea of what is a joke has to do with context. That if you take the audience away, yeah, those, those are all jokes he's telling. Yeah. They're not story. It, it's a, they're all jokes, right? They, they, if you put them in front of a comedy club audience, they, some will like them, some won't, but they're all jokes. And um, so it's the same way. That, it's the same way where comedians will do panel on a late night talk show, and they're just doing their material, but they're having it presented. In a conversational format. Yep, totally, totally. It's context. You're setting me up with your question. Yeah, yeah. Lead me into that chunk. Yeah. Instead, he got Suki Waterhouse to feed him some lines to jumpstart it. Well, yeah, and he's sort of trying to make a point that I think is an interesting point. That's also sort of very tough on comedy. In that sense, he's the other takeaway from this year is like Hannah Gatsby, that special is a kind of critique of a certain kind of hmm. uh, confessional comedy that you know purports to be authentic and, and, and real about it. and it actually is just another form of rationalization yeah. and another form of making yourself look good and Hannah Gatsby is also, it's also a theme of her special which is basically that you know that uh, um, all, all that you know, self-deprecating humor is, is has this kind right. of dark side, and so I think there's. Well, I, I well, reframed well, my story to yeah, well, well, please well, you. Well, putting aside the the coherence of these arguments, mm-hmm. 
and I think there's a lot to be quibbled with. I don't, I don't agree with Hannah Gatsby's. Even though I'm saying she's the MVP, I actually find her argument uh, mm. a lot of flaws in her argument. I'm not the first person to say this, but the, uh, but, um, but I think that it is. So notable. she's not the comedy queen. What does that mean? She's the comedy MVP, but she's not the queen of comedy. No, she's the, she is the queen of comedy, but she's at my. I don't think you're not going to bow down. No, no, the, the best. I don't believe the best argument mm-hmm. is the best art. It's like Bill Hicks made a lot of shitty arguments mm-hmm. too. This is the problem <laughs> that people like. I, I see Hannah Gatsby as like Bill Hicks. Like, no, we shouldn't actually kill all the advertising people. Whatever he said, like that would be a bad thing. <laughs> but it's a funny bit, and it right. gets the point across. So if Hannah Gatsby uses hyperbole or goes is doesn't have a the, the airtight logic of a legal case. That who the hell cares? I don't want to watch a legal case. That's why the idea that she she's a performer and she's making this polemical comedy, which is I think great. And uh, but. Um, but anyways, but what, what the reality is, a lot of people did respond to the argument. And I think we're at a period where, like, okay, some, some of the most popular stuff was attacking the form itself. Yeah, and, and like you, I'm very hopeful that this weird year we just had, 2018, opens the doors for people to experiment and to get, some, get a lot more creative yeah. in 2019. What are you looking forward to? Something different. Yeah? <laughs> you seem really, you're like over it. You're like, I got to watch all this, Dad. I think, I think that's what comedy needs is a giant sneeze. A giant sneeze to wake us up. <laughs> now we're woke. Like, <laughs> yeah, because it hasn't busted. Like I argued before. Oh, that's right. That was last year, right? Well, I, I said we were primed for a bust. But it hasn't quite busted yet, so... I should have started Although, although if we do look back, a lot of platforms are dying and venues... Like, Funny or Die isn't right. hardly a thing anymore. Uh, the Onion is getting sold and... Split cider. Yeah, like, things are... But it's just in terms of the the places that you would think that used to be big aren't big anymore. So mm-hmm. there has been contraction in the industry and we have gone down from like a hundred and something specials to 75 <laughs> mm. that's, that's, that's so it's a, not like, you know I think we I think we did hit peak comedy right 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 um, yeah it'd be nice if if there's more more quality and less quantity hmm how do we as the gatekeepers convince <laughs> convince them I don't. I don't. This is the same argument we had last year, but I don't mind the quantity. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. I don't. I. I. I you know. No one says there's too much. Too many movies. I mean, there's some people do too say that, of course, but uh, that doesn't bother me. Um, I think. I think it is. It does present a challenge for gatekeepers because you have to. You, you, in some ways, our job is more important because you have to figure out what to shine a spotlight on. Right. And. Because uh, you can't just see, oh, there's all those 20 specials of the year, and everyone's going to watch. Everyone, if you're interested in comedy, everyone's seeing the same things. Well, right. it's, and that, that's why I think it's almost more important to talk about these kind of people who people don't know. Right. You know, like to, your column about uh, Janelle. Yeah, Emmy, Emmy Blotnick. Yeah. Li- I mean, Liza Traeger, if yeah. I'm pronouncing her name right, that, yeah. that, that was a great. Liza. That was a great half hour. Sp- but your column, like, tied the three together. I mean, 
get I, away to go. I, I okay. periodically you do this too. I I think it's like a responsibility for people like us to write about you know young unknown or, or relatively unknown comics. It's more important that we do that than we write another piece on Adam Sandler, which we'll do any we have to, which our editors right. want us to do anyways. And the problem is it's harder to get that stuff in the press. So you have to come up with various conceits like the one I did to get those people in the paper. But when you really get down to what use are we, that's one of the uses we have, which is that there are all these great talented people and it's uh, you know, how how is Emmy Blotnick gonna stand out? You know, she's really talented. Mm-hmm. She could be the next, you know, whatever, Tina Fey or something. But how is she going to – well, you, you – um, I, I, there's a lot more people, you know, out there like her. But um, so I think, uh, you know, I think there's a ton of really exci- – like you were talking about these, like, Brooklyn comics. There's a lot of really – and that's one thing. Like, the last month or so, I, I go to the people, I'm just like, all right, I'm just going to try to listen to podcasts and go to see shows and try to figure out who, like, the – 25-year-olds who are really good. There's a ton of people who are really good, but I think it's harder to see how they break out. There's, that's, that's the tricky move. Well, how about we vow for 2019 to uh, help some of these people break out? <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I like that. So that way we can have a, a more uh, flourishing discussion 12 months from now. That's, I like that. All right. All right. See you next year. See you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.